Welcome back to Ben Shun Talks Shit, and um, I am so excited for today's guest. Uh, it's someone that I deeply admire, and I'm just beaming. My eye, I'm smiling. I'm excited. I've actually um, had the great fortune to meet Kirsten in person, and today we have Kirsten of Kier Weiss, who is coming to just chat about the whole uh, her journey with her brand and natural beauty and if you don't know Kirsten Kirsten is a former makeup artist who's used her experience of growing up in a natural environment and her knowledge of beauty to pursue uncharted territory in the industry creating Kier Weiss offering refillable packaging since the brand's first launch in 2010 which is amazing sustainability is at the heart of Kierweiss and the brand is always researching the latest innovations to improve their commitment and do better for the planet over 90% of the products of the Kierweiss collection are refillable and a minimum of 90% of the plant ingredients in their products are organic so your brand is just a dream and it hits so many important levels of sustainability of natural beauty and of highlighting your own natural beauty as well. So just to begin, welcome to the podcast and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much, Desiree. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm so honored to be here with you. And um, yes, to dive a little bit into my background, I am originally from Denmark. I grew up on a working farm in rural Denmark. I come out of a large family. I'm the sixth child out of of six kids. Wow. And so in essence it was a lively sort of childhood but also a very quiet childhood. I grew up there and you know as soon as I would say I got the flavor of big cities I just started dreaming about you know culture art etc which was not really accessible where I grew up and then eventually I you know after college started traveling and came back I had always thought you know my my path was going to certainly be doing something creative maybe architecture something of that nature and um you know how things sometimes happen you run into circumstances or you run into a person that changes the trajectory of your life and that was the case for me i met this incredible woman in copenhagen when i was around i'd say about 19 20 years old and she inspired me so greatly she basically suited uh, all the things that i was aspiring to the creativity the culture etc and so i sort of stepped a little bit away from my pursuit of studying architecture and i wanted to be around her and she happened to have a spa and so i did an apprentice with her and that wow. really started me on the whole journey of beauty i didn't grow up around beauty i did my mom's idea of dressing up really was a moisturizer and maybe a lipstick. So it was a whole new endeavor and a whole new sort of part of life that opened up. She just took a liking to the way that I sort of did makeup which was part of of this apprenticeship and eventually suggested I go to a makeup school in Paris wow. um which I did and that in essence sort of led me into where I am today. And I never really looked back. You know, I ne- I never saw it coming, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. 
I love that. I never saw it coming and I never looked back. And I think that that's so special because I know that a lot of listeners are also probably, some people want to change their lives and they kind of might feel like, I need to know what's the next step. I need to know where it's going to come from or how I'm going to get it. And I love your story about how you were actually studying architecture, which is so different. It's still creative, but it's a different outlet of creativity. And then you got into makeup. So did you know how to do your own makeup or is this just something that, because you said your mom wasn't very, my mom wasn't either. My mom never, I mean, like a little bit, you know, a little bit of mascara, um, but I never learned how to do makeup either. So I'm just curious, how did you, was it just a gift? You know, it was, I think I've always had a creative hand, you know, it could Mm -hmm. potentially have been painting. No, I I had no idea about makeup, but in essence, what I learned is that it's painting. Mm-hmm. So I liked it immediately. Once I started, you know, going to the school in Paris, I just uh, fell in love with it, you know, because it's really creative expression. It just happens, you know, to be on a face. And so it it just ended up being something that I fell in love with. This was a year long program. And Mm -hmm. You know, at the time, you know, it really sort of provided access to theater makeup, you know, film makeup. Uh, But what I fell in love with was beautifying, you know. So I ended up in fashion after that uh, and started working in the fashion industry where I basically had a career as a makeup artist for over two decades. Wow. What was your most memorable? The industry's changed so much since then in good ways and in also interesting ways. What was your most memorable experience coming out of uh, school and then jumping into the fashion industry? You know, when I first jumped in, it was, I, I started in Scandinavia. I started in Denmark where I'm from and it's just a small market. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to land really in a, in a, in a good spot from the standpoint that this was the time where models didn't do their own makeup anymore. They didn't do their own hair anymore. They actually brought on hair and makeup. So I mm-hmm. fell into a lucky spot, if you will, because it allowed me to build my portfolio immediately. Mm-hmm. I got put on these great jobs right from the beginning. And then eventually I moved um, to New York. I thought, you know, I'd like to pursue this uh, at a higher level and see if I can play this with on a bigger platform, really. Mm -hmm. And so I moved to New York in the late 90s, in 1997. Mm -hmm. And from there on, I would say what I remember from it is really you know, just the creativity. I I enjoyed so much being part of these teams. Every day is a new team, really, that, mm-hmm. that you work with. And it's a collaborative effort. And seeing, you know, an idea coming to life with all these creative minds around the table just fed my soul in a way that I didn't even know it could. And I felt, and I still feel to this day, just incredibly blessed by these uh, many years of being in the field It allowed me to travel so much and just meeting so many people that I still have contact with um, to this day. It's so nice to hear other people who have had good experiences in the fashion industry. I too worked and I moved when I was 17 to New York. I also, when I moved to New York when I was 17, I felt like I just kept landing opportunities that I didn't have that Devil Wears Prada moment where it was, you know, everybody was just so supportive, so 
I had tough bosses sometimes, but it wasn't, you know, fetch me the cappuccino. It was very like what pushed me to my creative edge in really inspiring ways. So I love hearing that. And how did you get, so you did makeup and then what inspired you to eventually get into that beauty industry to launch your own brand? You know, that really was something that started building. I think, you know, as a, as a child, I just remember roaming around at home in our garden and sort of dreaming of having my own business one day. So it was definitely wow. seed that was planted from an early age. However, I just didn't really know how that was going to take form. Mm -hmm. And so I realized, you know, as I, as a makeup artist, you basically have a kit of your favorite products. You know, I would collect from all the big established brands, my favorite things from each line. And then I would show up to work. And that's basically how you work as a makeup artist. However, you know, this is many years ago. This is late 90s, the early 2000s. I could just really see the correlation between the ingredients of the, in the products that I was using on all these models' faces, uh, a correlation between that and then all the issues they had with their skin. There was no doubt about it. And for the conventional lines back then, you know, like they were very different in the ingredients profile than there are now. And that really struck me as just being absurd because it had this normalcy to it. It just had this normalcy to it. Like, oh yeah, I bought this. I'm allergic to it. And then you put something you just spent 20 or $30 on in the drawer and it was just an accepted norm. That was going to be my question. Like, did people... They, like it, you saw it, and I'm curious if you saw because of where you grew up and being much more closer to natural ingredients. Did they? They just kind of were like, "Oh, this is just how it goes." Yeah, it was a, a standard response. It's like you know, I'm, I'm allergic to that. You can't use that on me. But then it really started building, and I thought, you know, I have to see if I can actually find some natural alternatives. Again, this is over 20 years ago, and there were some brands that we still know to this day that have beautiful ingredients profiles, uh, mainly the German brands that have always been ahead of the curve with anything green, Dr. Hauschka, Lavera, those types of brands. And they did have some color makeup, but it just couldn't perform. You know, it, it literally could not perform. And so that in essence sort of became that aha moment for me where I thought, well, if I could merge these two worlds, if I can take the best of these two worlds, meaning the ingredients profile from the natural space and combine it with the high performance and luxury of the conventional and doing that in an uncompromising way, then you could in essence start a new category where you could tick all the boxes of not having any compromises in the mix at all. Which is, it was so, you know, because back then, you know, you started in 2010, so I'm sure it was building much, much more before then. To have natural products, you had to go to the like the hippie store, basically, yeah. you know, and it's it was so revolutionary to not just want to have natural ingredients, but also to have ingredients that were natural and luxurious as well. You know, for me, as you're talking and as you're speaking, I'm just thinking of my own story where I really struggled with acne for many years. I mean, like when I tell people now, they're like, what are you talking about? You, you, your skin. And I'm like, if I had pictures, you wouldn't even recognize me. It was deep cystic acne everywhere. And there was a time where I was in you know, getting into natural beauty because I was very curious about it and just wanted to find ways to fix it. 
And the biggest issue I came across was that so many people were really pushing, like, don't wear any makeup, just go natural. And that was really hard for me because I was so insecure. And I did that for about a year and I didn't wear any makeup. I just felt really bad about myself all the time because people in the natural beauty industry at the time, this was like 10 years ago, were saying makeup's bad. You have to go natural and just accept yourself. And it wasn't until I kind of said, screw this. I was like, I'm tired of feeling so insecure all the time. Maybe I can just amplify my beauty in a way that I just look in the mirror and I like what I see, even if it's temporary, even if it's like mind over matter kind of way. And my skin healed within a month because I was just beautifying myself in a way that I never had, which leads me to my next question, which the industry has changed so much and almost seems impossible to keep up with society's projection of what it means to be beautiful in this day and age. And with that being said, what does beauty mean to you? Yes. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I so empathize with that because it's a challenging place to sit. You know, you feel like you want to always look your best. Uh, however, you know, not having the, the sort of right means to create that. So, yeah, I, I think it basically speaks so much to, in essence, what I think beauty is. For me, beauty really is multi-layered. It, it's, um, it's holistic. It is not just what we, in essence, have been conditioned to believe that it's, it's a certain narrow framework of if you don't fit into this particular frame, you shouldn't really have the audacity to call yourself beautiful. So for me, you know, to sort of go back to what is it? First and foremost, in my perspective, it's an inside job, meaning it's a kind heart. Um, it really is where things start. It's awareness. It's wellness. It is smarts. It is certainly the physical beauty. And I want to celebrate that as much as anybody. But I think we need to widen the conversation and the, the framework of what beauty is because it's detrimental, you know, to, to have this perception put specifically on women that if it doesn't fit into this narrow category, it doesn't fit you. It's so much more. It's it's really, I always, you know, a lot of people will sort of ask me, you know, like, what do you do for your own skin? Like, what products do you uh, use, etc.? And I always respond like, it starts really on the inside with a healthy gut, with what you think, you know, that the amount of sleep you get. And then what we do as a company, we like the beautiful, and I think we do it very well, icing on the cake that then gets applied to the external. And then you build its confidence. It's a soul that's shining. You know, there's so many things you can add to what beauty is. Uh, and I just think that's really, really important. Also in a time and age where social media is such a, a big piece to everyone's life, certainly young women growing up, filters, et cetera. So it's it's really a an all-encompassing holistic approach 
to being a a woman specifically if I am just to speak to beauty in women. Yeah. And I appreciate that you say that, you know, for right now it's 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 so many things to touch upon that, which is like first and foremost is one, the first thing that you said beauty is a kind heart. And the first thing I remembered was when I was studying acupuncture, when you look at the five element theory, the heart opens up to the face. Mm, exactly. So it's it's so it's so beautiful how it all correlates, and you can see it on when when we're, when we were treating patients in the clinic, you could see it when someone, for the most part, obviously not every time. There's people who are going through things that you can't see physically, but mostly you can look at and you see, oh, this it's space reading. It's so fascinating, and you see when people are starting to feel better about themselves or they're getting the sleep or they're starting to take care of their mindset and they're happier. You see it immediately and it, it shines from within. And that takes a little bit of pressure off of this time and age where beauty is, is changing so rapidly and, you know, how to look beautiful and be beautiful. And it's interesting because especially there's this idea that we have to look beautiful and perfect, but then God forbid you should want that for yourself, your vein. So it's this, what do we do? Where do we go? How do I do this? And so what I love about you and other people that are on the same wavelength is really like, it's okay to celebrate your beauty. It's not okay. It's your birthright to celebrate your beauty. It's your birthright to want to feel beautiful and be beautiful and enjoy your own beauty and whatever that means to you and however that means to you. Um, so, you know, I think I love what you said that it's, it's holistic. It is a whole mind, body, spirit thing. And I see a lot of people that come into our program or my own journey myself, where one woman, she sent me, it was wild. She sent me a before picture of when she first started Benchon and she had, you know, really dark circles under her eyes and she had really bad skin, you know, acne everywhere. And then she sent me an after picture and it looked like she had airbrushed the photo, you know, and she just said it was just me taking care of myself. And that's almost revolutionary to say that I'm going to have mind, body, health, wealth, beauty, vitality, and own it and not be so um, ashamed to own your beauty as well. And speaking of revolutionary, one of the things that I love most about your brand is the sustainability aspect of it, especially, and the refillable packaging as well as the organic ingredients. And back in 2010, this was really revolutionary for the industry. And what led you to making these choices? And how did you decide that this is the way that your brand was going to go? So I think my initial vision really for the brand was to have it be all natural. You know, I just had this idea that I wanted to see if I could actually make happen that it was 100% natural, like take all synthetics out of it completely to the point where you could eat it. Not that I would necessarily suggest that, but really see if Mother Nature could provide everything and turn it into a cosmetics line that could perform at the level that we should expect it to. And so that was really, I would say, like sort of like the flip side of having seen all these harsher chemicals and synthetics in products at the time. And it just turned out that the manufacturer that I was able to team up with, uh, you know, they're based in Italy. I still work with them. We would do it, obviously, as a company very closely. 
that they had actually built so many relationships with farmers around the world uh, that were organic farmers, that we could not only have it be natural, but it could actually be organic. And so from my standpoint, having, you know, let's say eating a conventional apple is a great thing. It's certainly better than having, let's say, a processed cookie. But if you can, in essence, have an organic apple that hasn't been sprayed, that's even better. So for me, that was a no-brainer. If we could take it to that level of purity, that level of just active ingredients, it, that's really what just what I wanted to do. And so that was one side to the product, to your point. The other part to the sustainability sort of approach really was in the packaging. And I, you know, I had always loved design. I knew I wanted something unique and I had seen firsthand in my work as a makeup artist, the volume of virgin plastic that I would plow through in a year. It was just insane. And I think obviously as, as somebody working with it professionally, you go through more than, you know, a private person, but it gives you a really good insight into how almost unconscious the shopping is around or was around beauty. It was just like buy and toss, buy and toss, and not really thinking about where does all this plastic end. So I felt a responsibility, you know, to do my part in not letting that be the case with my own brand. And so I just kind of set out on this mission to find a way of connecting sustainability with luxury and finding ways of doing that. You know, so I worked with uh, a dear friend of mine in Copenhagen on doing lots of sampling and sustainable material like aluminum, wood, cardboard. Uh, but eventually I was lucky to team up with an incredible designer, a hero of mine who had done some beautiful packaging uh, and beyond in the past. And and so really, once he came on board, the whole refill system started to take shape. That very much uh, was his approach to it, you know, finding a way where, I guess I should explain, you know, like it was really hard to find a material at that point in time that was both recyclable and red luxury. I would love to know just really quickly, because I'm so fascinated by this story. What year was this all happening around? Because you launched in 2010. So how did this, I mean, it's just, it's so inspiring and profound, your commitment to this and seeing how as you continue to stay committed to your vision, so many things just came your way that were able to make that happen. Yes, Uh I, I, that's really what it felt like as well, Desiree. I feel like it's almost like the universe put out this net underneath me and just started putting these incredible people in front of me. I think my goal was, in essence, you know, to do something that I felt was a force for good. The world didn't need, at that point in time, another makeup line. There were plenty, but it needed an alternative. And so in that perspective, it's like you know, these incredible people started coming into my path. And I started this particular part on the packaging. I started working on the brand in 2003. And the packaging, uh, when Mark got involved, uh, his name is Mark Atlan, and he's um, a dear friend to this day. But he came on board around 2007. And then we launched it in 2010. So... It's interesting, you know, because it always felt 
that this, once I kind of got the vision, the sort of aha moment of this is what I'm supposed to do, it's like it always felt like this was my path. And so I've never really thought of it as as being ahead of its time. It just felt very natural to me that this is this is was what I was supposed to bring into the world, if you will. I had, you know, a lot of well-meaning people along the way say to me, I mean, you just need to get it out by now because I worked on it for seven years. But I knew intuitively that I was not going to cut some corners here. I knew there's time and space for this, you know, and even if other brands are going to, you know, come up with the same idea. And I wasn't the only one that launched in 2010. We were about three brands that really sort of, I think, had tapped into the collective of its time for a new paradigm in clean beauty uh, or in beauty at that time, there was no word like clean, right? So this is so it's touching on so many levels of the things that we teach in Vention Course, which are universal teachings, which is the clarity of vision, right? Which is uh, one of my favorite books, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, which is a little outdated in terms of some of the language and terminology, but the actual 13 principles Whenever people read it, they and I recommend it to them, or they find it on their own, they always send me a message. They're like, it's so wild how this man in the early 1900s, the first chapter wasn't, you know, get a business plan or do this. It was desire. And that was the very first chapter. And it said desire. And if you go to any sort of manifestation or whatever you want to call it, creating your life, it's always vision, clarity of vision. And that is going to keep you moving forward. And I love you. I love letting our listeners also hear timelines because especially in this day and age where we have social media, Instagram, which we're seeing the instant success and people are seeing you know, maybe someone's success that they have now in this moment and they say, oh, I'm never going to be able to get there. I'm just starting. I have one follower. I have won this. I've won that. And to hear that it took seven years and not just that, but you had such a clear vision, which I think this is one of the most important parts of it, that you had such a clear vision and you said two things. One, I don't care what you say. I'm, I know my, my timeline. I know that this is this is not the right time. You were very untouched with your intuition, which I know that a lot of people, um, it can be very hard to do that, especially when it comes to business. And not just that, but the fear of, is someone else going to take my idea? Is there too many people in the market? Is there this or that? And I just love that you're such a proof that if you stay true to your vision, one, I love that word you use, the net, all the right people will just come to you. And it takes time and it takes commitment and it takes courage. And you had all of those. And um, one of my uh, questions that leads to the next question that I wanted to ask you is, you know, now seeing the industry catch on to sustainability and using ingredients that are high quality and organic, it must be so rewarding for you to see that sticking to your passion, now also learning how long it took um, was the right thing to do. And what are some, if, if you feel you have any stories you remember of the challenges that you faced along the way and how did you overcome them? Yes. You know, I, I really, I really welcome, you know, just seeing how everything has gone from, you know, when I was launching in 2010 to being absolute niche to snowballing into, in essence, becoming the new norm. 
you know, this is a requirement at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly for the younger generation coming in, you know, like they're so savvy and, uh, and know a lot about both sustainability, ingredients, etc. So I really welcome it. I think uh, it's incredible. I truly look at the beauty industry just really needing a 360. You know, it, it felt archaic on so many levels, mm-hmm. you know, from ingredients to the way women were portrayed uh, and so forth. And I feel like the first years, and honestly, in many ways still to this day, but obviously things have changed so dramatically. So the questions are less and less, but it, it's all about education, you know, really explaining, yes, it's certified organic. Yes, it performs. Yes, it's refillable. Yes, it's luxury. It's sustainable. And, you know, like constantly being able to explaining this sort of new paradigm uh, that it could actually come in an uncompromising way. And some of the challenges that I met, I think, is whether it was beauty or anywhere else, it's typically challenges that when you challenge the norm, Mm -hmm. when you go up against um, best practice, when you go up against industry standards or sort of these terminologies that are there and people kind of rest in them and take them like, this is not how we would do it. Meaning the way I was trying and and pursue, you know, a beauty brand. But I just always felt this way, you know, like that my intuition is my strongest ally, Mm -hmm. you know, like literally tapping into the knowing of, okay, so a good example could be, you know, um, finding the right manufacturer for our iconic compacts uh, that took some trial and errors, you know, because we would run into people just saying, no, 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 this is not how it's done. I mean, this is not how it's done. You can't do that low minimum orders, et cetera, et cetera. And you can't do refillable. It's not going to do well. And, and so you, you sort of have to break through this wall of how I love that analogy. Yes. And and just be persistent about it, you know, just continue. I always sort of think, well, if you can put a man on the moon, certainly we can find a way around this. I love that. And so that's also what I spent seven years on. Part of it, you know, was to find the right partners, partners that could mm-hmm. see the vision, that could kind of tap into that and follow along with it and thought it was interesting and wanted to be part of it. And there were absolutely people out there. I just needed to find them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is so, for me, I had somebody and I just, the story is just off the top of my head and I'm still very new brand, you know, Benchon happened. Um, I've been teaching since 2010. So I've been teaching for a long time, but actually having Benchon as a, which by the way, it started as a skincare line back in 2015. I don't think you ever knew that. I didn't know that. No. I had a, um, it's such a cute story. I was going through a breakup, a really bad one. And I was 25 years old and I this my acne was really bad at the time. So I was exploring natural ingredients. I had just started acupuncture school and I was just curious. I, I was more looking for solutions and because I had been, since I was in my teens, I've been to dermatologists. It wasn't as bad as until I got into my 20s, but it was I had some acne. But when I was younger, they put me on everything you can imagine. Um, I did like 
chemical peels and retin-A at the same time, Accutane. I mean, that's just what they, they just were like, let's just throw all the harsh stuff on you. So it really destroyed the layers of my skin and my skin became so sensitive. I was using everything and you're kind of just attacking it, trying to make it feel better. So my idea was really to just, I wanted to change my approach to how I used product, which I was like, I need to stop attacking my skin and just create some kind of ritual around it. And my mom, she's so funny. She said, because I was playing a lot and she said, why don't you, you know, make some stuff and just put it on Instagram and sell it? And I said, well, I don't have any money to do that. She said, I'll give you $200 to get started. She said, Justin's mom did that. I'm like, who's Justin? And she's like, just, you know, just, I'm like, I have no idea who Justin is. She's like, well, I just got back from a cruise with just, my mom is so, so funny. Sometimes she said, I just got back from a little girl's trip cruise with Justin's almond butter's mother somehow was in the group, you know, the almond butter. And apparently like he started in his kitchen. Yeah. So she gave me, my mom doesn't have money, you know, so to really just even do that was such a kind gesture to, um, you know, give me $200 and say, get started. And um, I loved it. And then what I really love about your story is one of the reasons that I stopped was one of us just kind of like the happy accident that people liked it and enjoyed it. But I was starting to see all the plastic. So our bottles were glass, our actual product bottles, but the larger bottles of that you mix product. And I just started to see the plastic um, at the time, it was just 2015. It was still so new. Sustainability wasn't really out there with products. So I was like, I can't keep, I, I didn't know. I wasn't, I didn't have a business plan or anything. So I stopped doing that. And that's when I sort of got more interested in teaching again. And then I launched Benchon. It's such a new brand, but it's kind of taking off in the last couple of years, especially. So there are people that come in with advice unsolicited and they say things that, my brain kind of goes, oh, I should do it like that. And I'm so grateful for this powerful tool as you talk about intuition, which I sit with it for a second and I go, wait, no, wait a second. I don't want that. That's not for me. And I get so much pushback for it, you know, and, I, and it's just really wild. So um, it's so inspiring to hear your story, uh, just to, to see how your intuition really led the way the whole time, you know? Yes. I just want to say, forgive me for interrupting, but I really, when I look at your brand, I see you so diligently in there. It is so thorough. It is so beautiful. It's so aspirational and inspiring. Thank you so much. And it's just, there's no wavering. So I'm happy that you're sticking with your intuition because that's, you know, like that's you really uh, showing the way for the brand as you see it. It's gorgeous. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I mean, for people who are just listening, first of all, that's such a, touches me so much for you to say that. Thank you. I could probably cry on camera right now, but uh, we're going to keep the podcast going. Be diligent. But, um, and it's touching because as I'm sure with you, when you were breaking, I love what you said, breaking through walls, you know, just to teach. I mean, when I, I started in 2010 as well with the wellness industry, it wasn't, there wasn't anything. It was weird. People made fun of me for years for the spirituality stuff, especially when I started to get into the, all, all sorts of meditation practices for years. They were like, what are you doing? This is weird. Uh, what's going on? You know, should we be concerned? All kinds of comments and things. And yeah. I just stuck with it and I stuck with it and I don't know why. And it's similar to you. Just, I just had this vision to this day. Sometimes I don't really know 
where that vision is taking me, as I'm sure same with you, it's just you're kind of being pulled by it in a way. And people have just been coming um, with, here's how you should grow to 10,000 followers a month or this and that. And there's that pressure to keep going and building and building. But I love your reflection of me being so infused in it. And that's always at the heart. I, I want to be part of my brand. And I see you part of yours. You know, when we met on that shoot, you were there involved with everything. And I see you so involved as well. And I think that that's something that probably resonates with both of us staying true. We want to keep our hands on our baby, you know, and, and have our passion keep going. So now that we're talking about brands, what is your favorite product of your brand of Care Wife? Oh, so that's a tough one. Uh, I'm sure it's so hard to be like, what's your, who's your favorite <laughs> child? Yeah. But you know, I think I'm going to have to pick our cream blush. Uh, it's, it's really the first product I launched with. And mm -hmm. to this day, it's, it's also an absolute hero product for us. There's so much to say about this cream blush. I think that it's it's like the first child, if you will. <laughs> and I know how long it took me and the manufacturer to get that perfect texture that it has. Because we don't mm -hmm. silicones, as an example, you know, so silicone is this magical ingredient you can put into pretty much anything and you will have the perfect slip. Mm -hmm. But since, you know, I we don't use that, it's really just spending a lot of time with a great formulator, fine-tuning the nuances of all these beautiful natural raw materials so it hits that sweet spot of glow and not looking too greasy, not looking too dry. And, mm -hmm. and then I think we've been able to just to develop some beautiful colors, inclusive colors. It can be used on the eyes, on the lips. It's multi-use. And I think, you know, really if – for of all products, you know, like if you have a day where you just need like a pick me up or you just come off a plane, just dabbing a little bit on the apples of the cheeks, all of a sudden it just makes the eyes pop and you look refreshed. So, yeah, I love it. I love the packaging. It's in that particular packaging that the cream blush sits in, I would say is an mm. iconic packaging shape silhouette. So there's mm -hmm. just lots of lots of love for that product. I love. I literally just discovered blush this year. Did you? And and I just you know all. I think just really being in an age where it's funny. I feel better now in my 30s than like in my 20s. So I feel really happy to have all going back to what we said: holistic resources to feel beautiful from the inside out. So I never really put emphasis into my skincare or, or makeup routine specifically, you know, and, um, I remember my family's Russian and, you know, growing up, it was always, where's your red lipstick or where's the blush? Not enough blush, you know, you need more. Literally, we went home for my dad's birthday and um, I, I went and, and it was a big party and we all got dressed up and I just had my, you know, bare, what I'm wearing right now, which is just foundation and mascara. And um, I literally walked in, I was like, five, four, three, two, one, so make a beautiful dress. Where's your lipstick? Where is it? What, 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 I got some for you. They take theirs out and they just put me in a corner, dab me up. So I was like, okay, I gotta, you know, I wanna, I love a little of this. So I wanna get into it. And I just discovered blush and it's so, and you just, I love it. I don't know. I'm finally at that point where I'm exploring makeup because. I've changed my relationship to beauty so much where I think at a time, one time it really served a purpose where I needed it to hide some things in order to feel better about myself. And 
I'm grateful that I kind of, similar to you, followed intuition on various different levels because I probably would have been stuck in that loop of trying to be in this dogmatic space of, well, natural beauty means you don't wear any makeup and you just accept yourself the way you are. And I and I love that. And I think that's beautiful. However, it really was using makeup to sort of remind myself how beautiful I am. And, and that really healed a lot of my stuff because I could look in the mirror and finally see, I was like, wow, I'm beautiful, you know? And I want to just share with our listeners that it, there's no one size fits all, you know? And so now I'm starting to get really curious about makeup so that I can even more so celebrate my beauty and, you know, amplify the features that I love. And um, yeah, so our, one of the last questions I have for you is what is one thing that you can't live without for inner and outer beauty? So it can be a product or a supplement or a practice, but like, what's the one thing that you can't live without? So I think um, for the inside, uh, it's it's really my spiritual practice. You know, I cannot imagine operating in the world without cultivating the inside. I, I cannot, I, I feel like truly once that peace, and it certainly doesn't happen every day, but, you know, once that centeredness feels it's in a really good spot, and then things are humming, I feel like once that's in place, everything else follows. So I definitely can't live without that and everything that sort of entails, you know, meditation or just um, listening to you, you know, like when you teach, you know, like it's so rich and it's so vast and it's so, it's such a gift. It's joy really. And then from that, you know, like creativity blossoms, it's, it's the foundation, it's the setting point, you know, I feel mm -hmm. existence. Um, from the outside for a product, you know, I love the cream blush as I just shared, but then it would probably be our beautiful oil. We have this incredible skincare oil. Ooh. I can't quite imagine living without, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it feels like magic on the skin. It's, yeah, it, it it just gives that glow. You know, I fully hear what you were saying, you know, like there's the beauty of makeup that it can both, you know, assist in hiding things, you know, if we have breakouts, et cetera, and, and make one feel better. And it, it gives the enhancement. Uh, it could also have, you know, like a, a slightly more natural approach. Let's say you, you didn't want to wear color, but you just mm. tend to do little tips and tricks that really mm. brings forth your eyes or your lips or one of your anybody's feature. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, the beautiful oil sort of sets the tone for the canvas, which is the skin. And uh, that would be tough for me to live without. I, this is the most ridiculous story ever, but I have to share it with you. I um, have struggled with autoimmune for many years, and I sometimes get these very weird. Have you ever seen that show, Dr. House? No. It's like, it's a it's a show, it's silly, but it's basically like the most weirdest cases and the doctor is very quirky and, you know, you know, mean kind of vibe, but he's always, he has, he's just got a good heart too, but deep down. Yes. And it's just the weirdest cases, you know, that you could possibly get. And that's just me sometimes. Like one time I got a lump in my neck that was like the size of a golf ball, like two years ago. And I went to like seven doctors. They couldn't figure out what it was. I knew it was an inflamed lymph node. Um, they just, I was like, what do I do? You know, what how do I fix this? It was also during COVID. So you couldn't, it was really tough to go to the doctors without, you know, 
Anyways, long story short, one of my acupuncturists said, he just reassured me. He's like, this is just lymph stuff. This is an old, you know, lymph thing. And you got to just figure out how to drain your lymphatic system. And I've found this uh, facial massage lymphatic on YouTube. And I was just using simple oil, like a like a natural oil, and just doing the massage every time. Obviously came from a fear-based place because I was like, what is this called? Follow my neck. Yeah. But I was so impressed how, I mean, I was never looked better, just massaging oil, like really using it as a ritual and and on your skin. And I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It changes everything. 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 I feel, you know, the oils for me is the closest you get to the actual plant. Mm. It's not mixed in with emulsions or, you know, like binders or it, it's just the purest of extraction, you know, from an organic plant. I mean, it right. it's like the cells just resonate with it, you know, like they just, it's like they recognize it. So oils are fantastic. And that's so interesting because it's almost like the most pure part of you is your own like, oils on your face. Yeah. So it's like it's it's like I see you, you see me, and they're just like dancing beautifully together. I love oils. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all we have for today. And what a beautiful episode. And thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we're gonna link everything in the episode show notes. So if people want to run to try your products, um, which I highly recommend. Please visit the links in the episode uh, show notes. And thank you so much, Kirsten, for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything you do. And it's been such a joy speaking to you. Such a joy. Such a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. If you like this episode, share it with someone else who you think would love it too. And if you want to explore the topics we discuss even further, head over to Benshin.co to check out our current courses, workshops, and upcoming events. And I'll be back next time to discuss more things that I'm so honestly into on Benshin Talks Shit.